<clears throat> hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Money Awakenings with the guy who clears his throat as he's beginning. Oh, we're going to have a fun one today. I feel it. feel it in my, I don't know, body. Ah, I hope you're doing well. My name is Larry Morris and I am the Financial Shaman. And on this podcast on Money Awakenings, we talk about the deeper issues underlying the reasons money <laughs> is not flowing in your life like you would want it to flow. <coughs> Excuse me. And it is probably not the reasons you think on the surface. On the surface, you know, every other money podcast, I don't know, that's that's untrue. I've never listened to every other money podcast. But most of the financial world, which I am still very much a part of for the time being, um, thinks like I used to that the real problem and why people have so much money difficulty is because of a lack of financial education. If they knew how money worked, then everything would be solved. As if it's simple arithmetic that is the problem and why people have such trouble creating, keeping, investing, multiplying money. It's all just the ones and zeros. That's all you need to learn. It's basic budgeting. <sighs> Live below your means. Right? I think I tore that one to shred, that belief to shreds already. Jesus, if I haven't, I need to, because that's terrible. I know I wrote about it. I'll have to look through the podcast. But you just live below your means. And you'll have plenty to left, left over to invest. Save your money. Right? That's all it is. It's a simple budgeting problem. That's the reason why you have such difficulty with money. That's all. Wrong! On this podcast, what I like to do as we go for a walk and I clear my throat several thousand times, I'm kidding, that's a joke. We go for a walk and we talk about what's really going on. What's really underlying all of the difficulties with money because I'm a financial shaman. And what that means is that I can read someone's financial situation like a psychic would read tarot cards or a doctor would read your you know chemical levels or blood workup or whatever to know what's going on maybe that's that last one's not a great example but you know what i'm saying you're low on salt no i'm kidding <laughs> that would be so easy but in the same way, and I'm going to do my best to get into a not as noisy area, 
because I'm very, very aware of background noise and wind noise when I'm doing this. Otherwise, I really don't care. But doing a podcast outdoors <clears throat> has become, has made me acutely aware of background noise. So I'll do my best to duck into a neighborhood here so we can have a quiet talk. However, if you hear background stuff, and this isn't a professional mic, I'm not in a studio, please forgive me. Just imagine us going for a walk together where I do most of the talking, okay? Now, that stuff out of the way, if you've come to the understanding by now that your money difficulties, your money problems... And the reason it seems to seemingly vanish from your life so easily has nothing to do with arithmetic and learning simple budgeting, then welcome to my world. For so many years, I thought if I just understood how it worked, the mathematics, if I understood the mechanics is what I call it, that it would fall into place, that I would become money's master and I would have it all figured out. Nothing could be further from the truth. I spent a decade trying to figure it out. I became an expert in student debt. I, I spoke on the collegiate level. I taught financial advisors. I know the mechanics of money. And I will tell you flat out that it has nothing, well, not nothing to do with it, but very little to do with it. The mechanics have very little to do with why you have trouble letting it flow into your life in abundance. Very little to do. I would give it less than 5%. 5% or less is the mechanics. It's the same thing as saying, the reason we have an obesity epidemic is because more people don't know how to use the, use the weights in the gym. That is the exact same analogy. That is the exact same as saying the problem, the reason why so many Americans are broke in the greatest economic boom in the, over the last 12 years in history <sighs> is because they don't know the mechanics. Bullshit. We have more access to information. We have more access to healthier foods than we've ever had before, and yet obesity still rises. What is going on? We have more access to health. I'm sorry, to wealth information. To investments tips. If we can, everybody can invest online instantly now. We don't have to call anybody. There's no stock trade. There's no brokers needed. I mean, unless that's calls to you. You can do everything yourself with the click of a button. Instantly almost. With more options and more data than we've ever had before. More experts than we've ever had before. And yet more, the why, the division between the haves and the haves nots has never been wider. So you're telling me it's the mechanics? No, wrong. There is more social media, social apps connecting us all. 
more things like Tinder, more dating apps, eHarmony, I don't even know if that's still a thing. There's more of this, more access to groups of people, meet up and all this other kind of stuff where you can find people that click with you. And yet, <laughs> divorce rates are, are spiking. Marriage as an institution is what is crumbling. There are more lonely people. Suicide rates are up. There are more lonely people on this planet than ever before. Why? Why? Because that is the external. We keep looking to the outside world to fix the internal world. We, we are lonely. We look, to, we look to fix it with human beings and sex and partying or going out and meeting new people. You're going outside of yourself to fix an emotion. Right? We feel lack. We feel want. We feel not good enough. So we... We need money to fix that, right? Money is the answer. We just had more free, you know, we have more money, we'd have more freedom, we'd have more time. Wrong. That's trying to fix the internal feelings of lack by going to the external of money. We feel completely unaccepted, unworthy, non-deserving. We feel not good enough. And we think, when I'm healthy, then I'll be good enough. When my body is fit, then people will love me. Right? We keep going to the external. This is the most backward thing we do as human beings. Emotions are inside of us. We try to fix them out in the physical world. Stupid. Wrong. Don't worry. I'm not calling you stupid. Even though you might take it that way. I'm calling the idea that we should go outside of ourselves stupid. It's an internal feeling. How do we not go to its place? Because we've never been taught to. We don't know how. Okay, so what do you want to talk about today? How do we tap into this feeling of abundance? How do we tap into this internal knowing that we're okay? Even if there's a part of us that thinks that we're not. Today, we're going to talk about why one of the biggest, if one of the biggest 
I haven't actually sat and categorized them, so we'll just leave it at that. One of the biggest hindrances to abundance flowing into your life. People-pleasing. How in the hell am I going to connect these dots, you think? Just wait. came to me yesterday when I was working with a client, I noticed something. I noticed a common thread, a pattern, if you will. People who are people pleasers, human beings who are people pleasers, are rarely, and I'm talking less than 1% of the time, ever wealthy. People pleasers are rarely wealthy, if at all. I'm just going to use never, even though there's a caveat that, you know, there's, all, there's obviously outliers. But let's just say less than 1%. Less than 1% of wealthy people are people pleasers. Why do you think that is? Because if you're concerned about what other people think, how are you supposed to heart, follow your heart? If you give a shit about what other people think of you, how are you supposed to listen to yourself? If you worry more about what others are going to think, how do you even listen to your heart at all? It's the last thing on the totem pole. You probably can't even hear it. Your heart's calling has all the money you will ever need. All the money you will ever need is that your heart's calling. And the, one of the biggest hindrances to that destination, if you will, or that practice, is you care more about what other people think than you do. How do we fall into this practice of people-pleasing, of worrying about what other people think? It's pretty simple. It's called abuse. You're a child. You're abused before the age of seven. Could be physically, could be emotionally. Some kind of traumatic experience on a regular basis happens. Even if regular is just twice. Even if abuse is just a spanking, that's still abuse. My father didn't, eh, he did physically abuse. Only about a handful, under a handful of times. Four, I think, ish times was he physically abusive. But every single interaction with him was emotionally abusive. He made you feel like shit for being yourself. That was his M.O. So I grew up with not good enough. Now, why is that important? Because when you're abused emotionally or physically, spiritually or whatever, what do you do? You build multiple defense mechanisms multiple defense mechanisms to make sure it doesn't happen. If you're physically abused, 
as a child. You have multiple ways in which you can protect yourself from it, right? The most obvious one is to not upset the abuser. To do whatever it takes to make sure they're okay. Now, if you're like, if you have a father like mine, there's nothing you could ever do. All you could do is up your chances that you won't get hurt. But to have complete and utter perfection is impossible for a man who sees himself as not good enough and therefore sees the world as that way, he will always find something not good enough. Always find something. Always, always, always. So. So, emotional abuse, same way. If you're tortured, tormented, made fun of, or let's just say you have a tormentor, like one of your parents or siblings is a bully, and they're, they get off on disturbing the peace. I call them an agitator. Everything could be at peace, but they will fuck shit up. Right? My old man was the most amazing at this. He could go to a holiday party where every single human being was having a good time and find a way to make everybody miserable until he was asked to leave. Or if everybody was having a good time and he couldn't agitate it, he'd want to leave and take everybody else so that it was a letdown. He'd find a way. Because he had a belief he couldn't be happy and he wasn't good enough. It's a whole long story. I don't want to get into it. Narcissists have this thing where they have to be in control. It has to all be about them, right? But that's not, the, that's not the point. If you're a child of this behavior or a child in this household where you're emotionally or physically abused, the number one defense mechanism I see besides... Uh, no, that's not the number one. The number one defense mechanism I see... is you have to be very, very good at reading someone's mood. You, like, let's say I had a client this morning. Four people in the family, she's one of them, all three of them. The dad's a narcissist. Everything's about him, just like my father. The mom is an enabler and an agitator. She erupts when her dad erupts, right? So you got two loose cannons. And the sister, the older sister, became the bully because she chose to go the narcissism route because that's what she learned from her father. The only way to get the love and attention she needs is to take it, is to torment others until they bend to your will. So she became the problem child. She always had some problem, and the parents were always catering to her to make sure she was okay. Leaving the youngest sibling to try to do what? Become an achiever. To get the attention she needed through accomplishment, through being a good girl. Right? 
It's the same thing I chose. The same way I went about it. Now, when you have this type of household, even if there's just one, this person had three, or if you have multiple or one, doesn't matter. You become extremely good at reading other people. You can tell by the way dad walks up to the front door, the way he jiggles his keys, if he's in a good mood or not. You know what time they're getting home so you can make sure the place is spotless. You can sense when they're drunk, if they drink. You become an agreer. Whatever it takes, uh, just agree so that you don't fucking get in an argument. Just agree with the agitator so you don't get in an argument. Become very, very astute. Very, very astute at reading other people, especially the people closest to you. And you can meet it, mitigate the damage if you can see it coming. Right? Oh, there's a story on the news about such and such, blah, blah, blah. All right. So when that happens, I'm going to bring them a cookie or whatever. I'm going to do this, this, and this to make sure we try to mitigate the explosion. Right? You read, you read every situation. You're very perceptive. You use empathy as a defense mechanism. You can feel the vibration in people. And this is why you become a people pleaser. One, it first starts out as defense. It first starts out as a way to keep the peace and to keep yourself safe. But then it easily slips into, or simultaneously happens, is you use this newfound skill that you developed at a young age to protect yourself as a way to get conditional love. Think about it. Your parents, I don't give a shit who you are. Your parents gave you conditional love. My mom was a saint, an angel, and she still did her best at getting to unconditional love. But even she couldn't quite get there. Not 100%, not source. We can't, it's not, like unless you're actively working on it, every parent is going to show you conditional love. Do these things and I'll be happy. Don't do these things and I'll be unhappy. And you might even get punished punished hard right if you're a good boy you get a treat or a bad girl you get a spanking that's conditional love
They withhold their love from you. They close it off. They withdraw it if you don't meet these things. Oh, I'm so disappointed in you. That's conditional love. Source will never be disappointed in you. Source doesn't even judge. What would be the need for judgment if you had unconditional love? What would be the point of it? How would it help anything to judge? Right? If you're judging something, you're looking for conditions to be met or not met. That would be pointless if you had unconditional love. Now, No matter who you are, you were taught unconditional love. So this newfound defense mechanism of, okay, if uh, dad's sitting here at this time, oh, he needs another drink, I'll get him another drink, and I won't be hit. He won't have an excuse to hurt me. Then easily or simultaneously turns into, if I keep doing these things and he's in a good mood, and I can do these things, ooh, I'll get a pat on the head. I'll get an attaboy. I'll get a good job, son. I'll get love this way. I can get love through being a people pleaser. And it's nothing new to me. I already know how. I have empathy. I've very, very much learned how to use that for defense. Now let's use it for offense. I did this so much when I was younger because we moved a lot. And it wasn't until I was probably in, I want to say second grade, that I finally was in a stable place. So everything before that, I had to learn new names. I had to make friends fast. Like, and I used this skill that I learned as defense. Learned what people liked, what they didn't like. Agreed a lot with them, right? Agreed about, oh, you like that? Oh, me too. You know, not even thinking about it. So they would like me. Right? I would also do things whatever they liked, whatever they wanted. I was a people pleaser so that I could be liked, so I could get love. Hell, so I could just fit in. That doesn't sound so bad, you might think. Every one of us does that, you might say. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Now, I'm not saying you have to be an asshole about it. But if you're not willing to stand up for who you are and what you like and don't like, and your opinion and your word and your truth, then you're scared. You're saying that their truth matters more than yours. Their opinion matters more than yours does. And if you do that, guess what? Your truth is harder to find. 
because you're burying it under a bunch of yes, please, may I have another? Your heart's calling is buried under, I don't even know what I want because I just want what everybody else wants. What everybody, what everybody else will make them happy. I just want to make everybody else happy. <laughs> One of my favorite people on earth, when I first met her, she was like, I was like, what, you know, what makes you happy? Oh, I just like helping everybody else. Oh, shit. <sighs> I knew she would have been abused. Immediately I knew she'd been abused. And immediately I knew she has a tough time with money. She's probably, and I knew she was doing a job she didn't like. I knew that before, me, you know, getting to know her, but she's doing a job she hated. Why? To make someone else happy. Why else would you do a job you hated? Unless you were trying to get approval from your parents. Or approval from someone. How would it even cross your mind to do something you hated for money with your valuable time and energy? Unless you weren't trying to get approval from somebody. Unless it was somebody else's idea. And you were trying to make someone else happy. Because if you were trying to make yourself happy, it wouldn't even cross your mind to do something you hated for work. Right? How would it ever even cross? If, you if your main intention was to be happy, it could not cross your mind to do something you hated for work. The only reason anyone would ever do something they hated for a job is because they're making someone else happy. Most likely your parents. Right? How are you going to get to your heart's calling if you're more concerned about making someone else happy than you? You see why I say it's one of the biggest hindrances? If you're worried about someone else, you will never get to your heart's calling. How can you? Oh, maybe you'll find someone, you help them to get to their heart's calling, and they'll help you to get to your heart's calling, and that's called codependency. Stop it. Maybe they'll change their mind. Maybe they'll have a bad day, and then you're back to fucking square one. 
knock it off. That's not how it works. Told you this was going to be good. So now we know how most people have come across this idea of people pleasing through abuse, through trauma. I want other people to like me, so I'm going to bend and contain myself. I haven't even got to that part yet. What, what time am I? Oh, I got that. I'm going to make someone else happy, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to contain myself. I'm going to limit myself as to not make them feel upset. I was in love one time. One of those crazy in love times where you just want to scream it from the mountains, how much you're in love. You know, that feeling just wants to explode out of you. And I was at dinner, it was a double date, my sweetheart. And I found myself downplaying our love because I didn't want them to feel bad because they weren't as in love with us as us. I didn't notice it till after. So my sweetheart told me what I was doing, but I was downplaying to make someone else feel better. Because I, too, am a recovering people pleaser. Luckily, I had a narcissistic father, so I picked up some of the good things about it. some good things about narcissism all of us are narcissists to an extent it's just a varying degree like total blocked out don't care about anybody else to the opposite end of the people pleaser but keep in mind that even if you're a people pleaser you're doing it because you think that's how to get love you're doing it for your own reasons because you think if everybody else is happy you're safe and you'll get love so it too has a narcissism, narcissistic feel to it. We all have to, we all are concerned about our own stuff. No one is really ever going to be as concerned about our own life situation. No one's going to be as concerned about our own life situation as us, right? Because they've got their own to worry about. So if you've grown up your whole life taking care of everyone else so that you're safe, how do you listen to your own heart? How do you listen to your own guidance? How do you trust your own intuition? Your empathy 
that muscle is amazing, right? That's possibly your strongest muscle as a people pleaser. You can sense when people are off. You can hear it in their voice. You can hear it in their language. Now you know why you strengthened that muscle so much. But your boundaries are probably abysmal, right? And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you're having a hard time with money. Probably relationships too. Probably wondering why you keep attracting narcissistic people who don't seem to care about you. Oh, that's right, because you put them as priority. You think you, you put someone else's priority, they're going to put you as priority back? If that happens, that's codependency. So it's a trap either way. Because you can't put someone else first. You have to put you first. The old airplane analogy, you have to put your mask on before you help everybody else, even your own kids. You have a heart's calling. You have a purpose why you're here. You have some reason you came to, something you came to do, some reason you come, came here. And it's up to you to find out what that reason is. But I guarantee you if, you, if you find that reason and run it by everybody else to get their opinion, you're already fucked. And maybe that's the reason why it hasn't shown up yet. Maybe it won't show up until it's sure that you're not gonna get, it's not going to get shot down by what your parents think. Why would it show up if you're not going to listen to it? What if your heart's calling is a lawn care architect or whatever? Actually, there's, you know, that's a decent, whatever. That just came out of my ass because I was looking at this nice lawn. <laughs> but let's say that's it. But you're doing, you're a dentist or something. Not that there's anything wrong with either or one should be better than the other. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying one is passionless. One is passionless. No excitement behind it. But your parents are sure happy. You're dying inside, mind you. But your parents are sure happy the twice a month they come over for Sunday dinner. The four hours a week that you see them. They're happy. The rest of the time, you're miserable. And you wonder why your heart's calling hasn't shown up? Because if you were like, Dad, I'm gonna be a, I want to be a landscape architect, and that's what I'm going to do. And he's like, there's no money in that. Why would you give up your business? That doesn't make any sense. How are you going to feed your kids? You're right, Dad. You're right. I should just do that. What was I thinking? If your heart thinks there's even a small chance that that could happen, why would it show up and tell you? 
Wouldn't it wait until you'd fucking gotten rid of all this bullshit of people-pleasing first? Wouldn't it wait? Until there was a better chance of it happening? Of you listening to yourself? Before it showed up? The fastest way to kill your heart's calling is to tell other people. Or rather, I should say, to care what anybody else thinks. By the time I told my best friend what I was doing, who, by the way, is an amazing guy and uh, super open-minded and all that shit, but for what I was doing, it's no one's ever done it before. Right? Financial shaman, what the hell is that? Right? I'm sure there's mindset coaches and all that kind of shit, but what I was trying, what I am attempting to do is no one's ever done. At least not in my awareness, but point being, I, I waited a long time. I waited a long time to tell anyone because I had to work on my own limiting beliefs around it, around who I was, around what the universe I was in, around what source thinks of me, what I think of myself, my own worthiness. There was a lot of work that needed to be done before I brought this out to anyone. And it was already after I had a website, already after I was writing, already after I was speaking, mind you. Sometimes it's easier to tell strangers than people whose opinion you respect. Now, luckily, it was a great thing. I mean, he kicked, kicked the tires on it a little bit, but I already had the wherewithal to not give a fuck what he was going to say. And that way I could take the feedback and him kicking the tires in stride. Be like, ah, oh, you got a point. And, well, what about this? This is, ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. No, that's just doubt. That's just your own limiting beliefs. I could sense the difference when he, between his own limiting beliefs and his fear for me, which is basically his fear for him doing this himself, versus an actual, like, hey, you might want to look out for this. An actual possible pitfall. Those are two different things, very different. But if I hadn't been solid in what I was doing and be like, no, this is what my heart is telling me to do. When he said, are you sure? I'm like, I knew what to say. Yes, because this is what my heart is telling me to do. And I'm gonna listen to my heart over you or anybody else, and especially over my doubts. I will not get in the way of it anymore. And so, can you get to that place? Can you get to the place where it doesn't matter who says what, you can say, this is what my heart's telling me to do. I got to go with it. Because I guarantee you, if your heart's calling hasn't shown up yet, that's why. 
why would your heart's calling show up if there was even the smallest chance that you would listen to your fucking parents and their opinion on what your heart is telling you to do? So how do we break this habit of people-pleasing? How do we break this habit of worrying about what everybody else wants? Boundaries. First and foremost is boundaries. You do not need to tell everybody what is going on in your head. You have got to have a space where it's okay to just be alone, to just be with your own thoughts, to work stuff out for yourself, or a space with someone else who's detached enough to not bring you down. To not poo-poo everything that you say. There are those people in your life, and if you don't have any, you really need to get some. There's people in your life that are like, you can do anything. So if your heart wants to do this, you can do it. Let's talk about how we do it. You know? There are... Jesus Christ. If you know your dogs can't be around other dogs, just a crazy thought, maybe walk them on the other side of the street than the one that's walking to you. Just a thought though, that's just logic. So, I'm in a rare mood. I'm in one of those moods that's like, fuck, why are we listening to our parents? Why? Why are we trying to measure our life to theirs? At minimum, every generation is 27 years. I'm sorry, an average. So that means your parents and their advice is 27 years too old. Not to mention the fact that they were pre-programmed by their parents. So basically their programming and the advice that they give you is from when they were seven. So what is that? 30 to 60, 70 years old beliefs that you're trying to fucking measure up to? What a bunch of crap. How, let's do it like this. How does anyone but your heart know what's best for you? How does anyone else but you know what's best for you? Here's a clue, they don't. No one does. Only your heart does. Only source does. Only your highest knows what's best for you. No one else does. No one else can feel your feelings. No one else can feel your emotions. No one else has your expertise. No one else has your insights, your inspirations, your ideas. No one else is you. No one, no one can know what's best for you but you. Sorry to tell you, 
But you looking outside of yourself has got to stop. You looking outside of yourself has got to stop. Start with building boundaries. You don't have to go as extreme as I did. I cut everybody out. I cut almost everyone out except for my closest friends. Everyone that I kept near and dear to me that I told what I was doing are the type of people that were like, fucking Larry can do anything. That guy's crazy. He'll, he'll figure it out. Whatever he puts his mind to, he'll figure it out. Those are the people I kept around me. A handful of people. Then I had a wider circle much later when I had already established what I was doing. I already had clients. I was already talking to people. I was already putting this out there. I had made like 50 podcasts. Like I was already writing. I was already writing on a new book. Like after I had done all this stuff, that's when I started telling more people. There was no way to dissuade me from this. Dissuade isn't even a possibility. When it's an infancy, right? When your heart's calling is an infancy, it's like a sprout out of the ground. It needs protection, sunlight, love. Not that it always doesn't need protection, sunlight, and love. But once it gets to a decent sized tree, you don't have to look and make sure that the you know, storm isn't going to knock it over. You know what I mean? And if your heart's calling hasn't even shown up yet, then you need to really evaluate why do you care so much about what other people think? Why is their happiness more important than your own? I guarantee you, you go back far enough, you'll figure out why, because of abuse. It's time, now that you've strengthened that empathy muscle, it's time to strengthen that narcissism muscle. It's time to strengthen that, you know what? I don't need to give a fuck about what you think, because, let's be honest, your happiness is your problem, and my happiness is mine. If you haven't figured this out yet, let me be the bearer of good news. You can't make anybody else happy. You cannot make anybody else happy. You can't do it. Their happiness is up to them. You may be able to give them a treat or a hug or a pat on the bottom. You know, don't do anything sexually weird. Not my, that's not the point. Not like, you know, good old, good game. High five, maybe. That makes them release feel-good endorphins. But other than that, you can't make anybody lastingly happy or fulfilled. Because that's their job, not yours. In the same way, you can't really make anybody else upset. Now, of course, if you physically try to harm someone or whatever, you know, you're rude and all that kind of shit, 
Of course, you can make someone upset. That's not e That's not hard. But what I mean is, if just by being yourself makes someone upset, that's on them. Again, if you're not an asshole. Your intention isn't to be rude. You're not saying mean things, right? If you're just going about being yourself, and they're upset, that's on them. Their triggers are their problem. But you have to end in this cycle of people-pleasing, and you don't have to do it hard. You don't have to make it a big deal. All you have to do is get in touch with what you want to create. You first, everybody else second. For so many people, please, they don't even know what they want. When I say to them, what's your highest excitement? They can't even tell you because they are so concerned with what everybody else is doing. They haven't even asked. They haven't sat with themselves long enough. They haven't felt anything long enough. You don't have to swing hard the other way. Well, you're a people pleaser today and you tell everybody fuck off tomorrow. You just have to carve time for you. Carve time for you. Get in touch with what you want. And start fucking giving people a little bit more of a no. Hey, can you do this for me? No. It's outside of work hours, I'm not working. So no. Hey, can you do this for me? What are your fucking legs broken? Get up and do it yourself. That's a little harsh. You don't have to go that far, but you know what I'm saying. Are they asking things of you that they're perfectly capable of doing themselves? Then why the fuck are you doing it? Because I guarantee you're so scared of what they're going to think of you. Because to you, someone who doesn't like you means God doesn't like you. You see, when people have learned conditional love for a lifetime and practiced it, they think source is conditionally loving too. They think if they don't do right, and you see this in religion all the time, if they don't do right in the eyes of God, he will smite you. He will stop loving you. It will blink you out of existence and you're going to go to hell. <laughs> what a fucking load of shit. What a load of bullshit. Source is unconditional love. The faster you figure that out, the better off you'll be. My question to you is, why would you want to be around people that who aren't unconditionally loving toward you, or at least practicing unconditional love, and when they notice a condition coming up, investigating it? And the first person you've got to unconditionally love is yourself. No matter what you've done in the past, 
You've got to love you. I mean, you don't have to, of course. You could go on trying to seek conditional love from people, if you'd like. The first key, the first thing to do when you talk about self-love is self-acceptance. I've gone off on this in the past. Self-acceptance is the key. Radical self-acceptance. I am who I am. Buddha belly and all. And I love myself, even if there's a part of me that thinks it's not perfect. That thinks I'm not perfect. Even if there's a part of me that wants to be more, I still think I'm perfect just the way I am. I am the way Source made me. And to talk shit on yourself and to seem down about you is to slap God in the face and say, you fucked up. Yeah, I know that you can make universes and stars and trees and rivers and waterfalls and mountain ranges, earths, dimensions, time. But when it comes to me, you done fucked up. That's how stupid and arrogant that is. No one who's worth a damn in your life will at all fault you for taking time for yourself. If you say, look, I can't do that thing tonight. I've got to take some time for myself. I'm working on me. I need to be alone. Now there might be a ton of people in your life since you've been a people pleaser your whole life that are going to get upset with that. But let them be upset. Let them be upset. What's the worst that's going to happen? Oh, my husband's going to bitch. What is he, an eight-year-old? Fuck him. Guess what? If you're worried about his bitching, you're going to be worried about his bitching the rest of your life. He'll be fine. And if he's not, great. Now you know that just a little bit of time for yourself is all it took to wake the narcissist. Then you can take a real long look at why did I put these type of people around me that if I don't do anything for them, they're not going to love me. Oh yeah, because I modeled conditional love my whole life. And so that's exactly what I put in place. People who are now depending on me for their love. And so I can get it in return. You will never be wealthy. The first piece of abundance you have to cultivate The abundance of self-acceptance. The abundance of I don't give a shit. 
Your problems are your problems, mine are mine. My happiness is up to me, yours is up to you. If we can come together and do some magic together, great. If not, go deal with it on your own. Find what makes you happy, because I'm going to find what makes me happy. If you want to be happy, there's, a there's another thing I could go off on for the next hour. Right? We try to make people happy that don't want to be happy. There are plenty of people in this world who do not want to be happy. That sounds so ridiculous and foreign, but it's absolutely true. My father's one of those people. He does not want to be happy. He wants to be right. Happiness is the furthest thing from his mind. Fulfillment? Hell no. Gratitude? I don't even know if he knows how to spell gratitude, let alone embody it. Happiness? No. Joy? No. He needs to be right. That's what he wants more than anything else. And so, me trying to make him happy does what? Only upsets me and him. Because he doesn't want that. So, what did we learn today? Why do you want to be a people pleaser? Because you believed it was a way to be safe. Why are you still a people pleaser? Because you have been taught that conditional love is the way of the world. And to get the love that you need, you have to make people happy. That will not work for the heart's calling. It's kryptonite to the heart's calling. You know why? Because the heart's calling might change its mind, so to speak. Right? Check this out. A heart's calling shifts and changes. It evolves. Obviously. It has to. The highest calling at one point was for me to become a student loan expert. The leading student loan expert in the country. I don't know if I've ever made it that high, but definitely in the top five. But it shifted, didn't it? And if I cared, by the way, at the beginning of that business, there was a ton of fucking people who said I couldn't do it. That said, how am I going to make money at that? That said... Oh, one of my, not my friend anymore, said, oh, H&R Block is just is going to do that. So you might as well not even start. Wrong. Several million dollars later in business, my heart's calling had to shift. Now, what if I cared about all those other clients that I had? Right? What if your heart's calling shifts strongly? Or let's look at it like this. Does Elon Musk, when he's building the new model Tesla, go to the freaking Tesla owners and say, hey, what do you want in a car? Right? What was Henry Ford's most famous line? I think it was, um, if I'd have asked the people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. 
right? If your heart's calling you is doing something and then it shifts and changes, you can't check in with people and be like, hey, I need to shift this. No, we don't have time for that shit. They'll just want a faster horse. Now, I'm not saying don't get feedback from your client base or whatever. But how in the fuck would they know? If you're trying to do something no one's ever done, how are the people going to know what the fuck you're trying, you know, what to do? Or what you should add or change? They can give input, great. But your heart, what is the only thing that knows? That's your heart. The only thing that knows what you should do is your heart. The only thing that you need to listen to is your heart. That's it. So, listening to other people's opinion is kryptonite. Worrying about what other people are going to think is crippling you. Is there a wordplay there? Did they make up the word kryptonite from crippling because it crippled Superman? Anyway, food for thought. Let me end with this. I've gone clearly over my time. You don't have to be an asshole about putting up boundaries. You just have to first become aware of why do you believe that the people in your life are gonna stop loving you if you don't cater to their every whim, if you don't agree with them. Are you more concerned about other people's approval than getting towards your heart's calling and all the money you could ever need? Is that more important? Because I see that daily. Most people would rather commiserate. They wanna keep themselves small, poor, broke, idiots, so they can commiserate and get love from their other broke, whatever I said, poor idiot, right? Oh, yeah, the, the government fucked me over too. Let's talk about that over a cold one. So that we can get love from each other, this conditional love that I've now met since, you know, that's what's most important to me, not my heart's calling, not the unconditional love of source. What's most important to me is that you like me. The wealthiest people in the world don't give a fuck what you think. There's a double-edged sword there, of course. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You don't have to swing that hard. You don't have to swing that hard on the pendulum. You don't have to be cold and calculated. All you have to do is listen to people's input, but put your hearts at the top. I've used this analogy before, I'm gonna end it with this. Imagine every opportunity or idea that comes your way, that you're in a boardroom. And in this boardroom, around this round table is you and source and anybody else in your life whose opinion you value and there's a slideshow and everything on the slideshow is a new opportunity a new idea a new something that you want to do 
And as we go through the opportunities, if you get super excited about one of them or a lot of them or an idea or a purpose or a next step, you get super excited, that is like source, God, being at the boardroom table going, that's my vote, that's the one I want to do. That's how source in your soul and your heart is talking to you through excitement. That's their vote. Whose else vote fucking matters? Tell me. Oh, my dad's vote. Yeah, but not more than source. Not more than fucking God. Right? So, all I'm saying is, you don't have to take into, you don't have to completely not take into consideration what somebody else is saying or doing. You don't have to, like, totally disregard and just poo-poo everybody and just say no. You just don't make anybody else's opinion a higher priority than your own. That's all. And no matter what you do, know always that there is nothing that you can do that will stop Source from loving you, ever. There is nothing that you can do that will stop the Source from loving you, ever. Not even for a second, not for a minute, not for any minuscule amount of time. And it will never diminish its love either. It's not like, oh, you get loved at a five, and if for this you get loved at a ten. No. It is a tidal wave of love. More than you can fathom. Constantly focused on you. You're the one blocking it. By believing it can be. You're the one who limits yourself, no matter what. It is my heart's calling to show you the truth. So my friends, we are different waves on the same ocean, different rocks in the same stream, and clouds in the same sky. My unconditional love to you. Good journey, my friends.